What's up, guys? Welcome to this week's episode of God and Government. I'm Pastor Stewart. This is Pastor Brandon. Good to What's be up? with y'all. Happy uh, Wednesday. It's Wednesday, right? Yes. All my days are... It's a quarantine Wednesday. It's They're mushy right now. It's a very Monday Wednesday for me, I guess. But anyway, good to see everybody in. It's nice to be uh, in the feed with you guys, being a part of thing. Now on Facebook, caring is caring. Oh, that's right. You got the care emojis. That's very true, Aaron Vaughn. Very true. Good to see you guys in there. Um, we've been referred to as Christian Sean Hannity's. I don't know. Is that wow. a compliment? Or I don't... I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I don't know how I, I don't know how I'm I not, feel about I'm not that a big one. Fan. That's okay. Don't. I think I'll take I it. Hope our viewers need to not draw what they think might be the conclusions <laughs> of that, because our theology is unique and that's, different than that's very what they true. Think. We're also. But I'm not a big fan. I, I can't watch the show. Cracktivist is also <laughs> cracktivist. Is that crack Christian Nixed? activist? Oh. Cracktivist. Cracktivist. <laughs> we need to have that. That's a good. Um, Bumper sticker? I don't hashtag? know. I don't know what that would imply. Could be. Yeah. We gotta. We gotta define that one too much. Keep thinking, Aaron. Keep thinking. Anyway, great That's to see good. you guys. Going to be a good show today. We're talking about Christian political activism and what mm. that looks like in the uh, in the believer's life. Um, and I guess we'll just jump right in. Huh? Amen. Yeah. Sure. Why not? I mean, we we're starting off with Sodom and Gomorrah this morning. Oh, that's light. So light and breezy. It's eleven o'clock. So <laughs> it's close enough to lunch. <laughs> we can feel good. Light and breezy. Oh, light and breezy. I'm yeah. Not, yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, we'll start. Genesis eighteen, twenty three through twenty six. Um, we're going to lay some of the theological groundwork for political activism, Christian political activism. Ooh, say right. it again. Um, I want to begin with this qualifier. It's not what you might think. Right. Okay. So I hear I don't I, believe what you might think that I believe. Right? <laughs> That's a good qualifier. We come from a particular culture and we come from a particular perspective. We all have our factory settings. Mm-hmm. When That's you right. begin to hear these things, your factory settings start to go off and you start to put people into compartments. That's very true. And it's not accurate. You don't have enough understanding or knowledge about this. So mm-hmm. just it's, it's important as someone is trying to lay out the theological groundwork to listen charitably, Amen. To, to listen carefully. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't jump to what you think we might be saying. Don't right. jump to conclusions. Learn to listen well. Right. Um, right. right. So we start with Sodom and Gomorrah. Who knows what implications someone might immediately draw. Immediately jump to. Yeah. Don't do that. We're just going to, we're going to take a stroll That's right. through Don't do Gomorrah. That. Yeah. So. <laughs> Why was Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? Um, unrepentant sin. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Unrepentant sin. What sort of a sin? What sort of sins, Pastor Stewart? Uh, well, sodomy <clears throat> being the yes, lead, <laughs> the thing that immediately comes to mind. The biblical word. Yes. Right. Amen. Um, injustice of various kinds. Okay. Um, perversion. Arrogance, selfishness. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can read all about this in Genesis chapter 19 and Ezekiel chapter 16. But what if I were to tell you this morning that they were, in some sense, destroyed because of the church? Whoa. What? <laughs> Roll that back. <laughs> right. Because of the lack of Christian political activism. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Or the lack of Christian public witness. I'm listening. Okay. I'm listening. Let's um, go on a journey. Well, <laughs> exactly. Um, listen to this 
prayer and this conversation, it's an odd one, between Abraham and God. Genesis chapter 18, starting 23, And Abraham came near and said to God, Wilt thou indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Referring to the prophecy that Sodom would be destroyed. Mm -hmm. And he's speaking to God, suppose, theoretically, you know, suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. A quick qualifier for people who are new to Christianity and new to theological terminology. Mm -hmm. When you read the word righteous, (laughs) our producer Matt is over there causing trouble. (laughs) You're going to have to get another coffee now. Way to go, MAGA Matt. You are you're shaking so nervously. <laughs> Things are getting crazy in the studio today. Oh, this man. this topic is so controversial, we can't even calmly sip coffee anymore. Ah. Oh gosh. Here we go. All right, here we go. He's praying to God. <laughs> Suppose there are 50 righteous. Now I wanted to make this quick qualifier. When you read the word righteous, we don't mean righteous in and of our own selves. Perfect people. There's two t- ways in which the word righteous is used in the Bible. Mm-hmm. One is the imputation of Christ's righteousness to a person so that they are considered righteous in Christ, mm-hmm. though they are not actually righteous in all that they do. They have the legal status of not guilty. Okay. 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 Now that's one use of the term righteous or just or justified. But the other one is the more common use. It means this is a good and godly, God-fearing, law-abiding, you know, righteous person. Okay. Someone who's following Christ. Okay. All right? <coughs> Lot, I would say, was both. Okay. He was saved and you know, justified, but he also was in general um, you know, well, let me not get ahead of myself because okay. I might have to take some things back. Okay. But what Abraham is saying is, what if there's 50 people in the city that are Christians? Mm. They're living according to God's law. They're following you. They're righteous. Okay. 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 Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? Ooh, got a little King James action going right. on there. Is that King James? Wilt thou. Wilt thou. <laughs> I like the King James. So this odd conversation goes on. Abraham starts to hedge his bets a little bit. He's like, okay, okay, okay. What about 45? 45. Mm. Would you sweep away the city and judge it if we're five less, less than 50? He's, he's pressing his luck. He goes down mm. another five. How about 40? Mm-hmm. Okay, would you destroy the city if there were 40 solid, righteous Christians, you know, mm-hmm. doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know? Um, God says no. He's like, okay, well, how about 30? And this goes on all the way down to 10. Hmm. And then it seems that the conversation's over. Okay. So we're just left with that. Here's my premise, that if there would have been 10, maybe even if there had been one, I don't know. Okay. Righteous, godly, Christian activists operating as salt and light in Sodom, it would not have been judged. Rather, it would have been preserved for Hmm, a season. That's very interesting. Yes. So, this is a massive theme in the scriptures. That the just, that is the righteous, the godly, are called to guard the city. Guard the town. Guard their society. Hmm. The word guard is translated in our language as priest. 
It's a part of our priestly calling mm, as okay. a nation of priests. The city remains safe and is not inevitably going to destroy itself or be destroyed while Christians are maintaining their public engaged witness in that city. While Christians are living Christianly, publicly. Publicly, openly, mm-hmm. salt and light. Got it. Right? Think about Adam, for example. Adam was a priest. He was called to many things to expand the borders of the garden. Mm-hmm. But he was also called to guard the garden. He okay. was the priest over the garden, which was a temple sanctuary, a, a garden temple, so to speak, okay. where God and man communed. Okay. Um, these things are seen throughout all of Scripture. Adam did not guard the garden. He didn't slay the dragon. He didn't crush the serpent. He allowed him to chat up his wife. Um, Adam right. was the first <clears throat> passive dad, passive father. You know, mm-hmm. um, Adam was probably, a, you know, Adam was a good guy, so to speak. But he wasn't publicly, he wasn't a public activist. Mm. He wasn't guarding his dominion. Okay. He wasn't guarding his um, temple garden. Aaron was to guard the people. He was a priest. But when Moses comes down off the mountain, he's let the people, people run wild. Mm. He's encouraged it. The Levites were called to be priests and to guard the purity and the sanctity of the people of God throughout all of their existence. But what happens? The Levites got to a point where they were saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace. Mm -hmm. And that's when judgment finally came. You can see that in the book of Jeremiah. The Babylonians finally came when the Levites, that preservative life force, the priest called to guard, finally left off of their duty. And all that was left was destruction. Mm. Right? That is what is happening in the city of Sodom. You have Lot and his family. Mm -hmm. That's it. And there's a debate as to whether or not he was righteous or not. But it's it's clear um, that there's not at least 10. There's not Mm -hmm. a righteous Christian community being publicly active in the city. And so all that is left is destruction. Mm. And we know this for sure. Genesis chapter 13, verse 10 and Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. We're getting these images connected. When Lot saw the Jordan Valley and he saw the direction of Sodom and he saw where Sodom was located, Mm -hmm. it was like the garden of the Lord, Mm -hmm. a place where Lot could have gone and extended the dominion of Christ. Mm -hmm. He could have been faithful and righteous. He could have acted as salt and light. It was like that. But the Bible tells us this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. The implication is that Lot, though a Christian, was not being faithful to his calling. Like Adam. Like Adam. Mm. Like Israel. Like Aaron. Like the Levites. And like the church today. Got it. In America, by and large. Okay. Okay. So, um, you are the salt of the earth. The Bible tells us. Jesus mm-hmm. tells us. But if the salt has become tasteless, or, and there's a lot of translations there, mm-hmm. if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. God wanted to preserve certain nations throughout the Old Testament, pagan nations, mm-hmm. and he placed within them a Christian witness, a public Political Christian witness, in fact, you have Joseph, Nehemiah, Mordecai, Daniel as examples. 
The Bible gives us titles, rulers, ambassadors, witnesses, judges. All of these are political terms. These are all political, um, civil titles. We operate in that realm. We are to be public witnesses in that realm. Now, here's the big thing. There's a little debate as to what it means to be salt. Okay. I, I think... I don't think it's a huge debate, but in that day and age, the main point was not to flavor <laughs> our gumbo or, or, or right. you know what. <coughs> Salt also acts as a me. preservative. In those day and age, that's m- what it was necessary for. You had to have salt if you were going to have a larder or a pantry mm-hmm. or have anything. You had to have... You didn't have a fridge. You didn't have no, a freezer. That, right. It wasn't possible. Exactly. So there was a huge salt trade. It was a commodity, mm. you know. And, and I think Jesus is playing off this, and he's basically saying you're um, a commodity in this world. It's rare, um, mm-hmm. at, at, the, at least at this point. Mm-hmm. But it acts, Christians are to be that preserving force in society mm-hmm. to ward off the corruption and the decay that comes from sin. Hmm. Right? Okay. Sin came into the world. The land was cursed. Right? That sin works its way out into every sphere of life. There has a decaying death sort of a trajectory. Mm-hmm. But Christians come in to preserve, to preserve. Okay. Right? So I think that's what um, we're called to do as Christians. Um, we, however, are in a different spot than Lot and Adam and sure. Israel. We have the Spirit of God within us. Jesus is on the throne Satan has been bound so that he can no longer deceive the nations. We have the promises of God mm-hmm. that he would extend his covenantal blessings to us to a thousand generations. Okay. We have every reason to stay faithful to this salt calling. Got it. Right? We need, just to say it simply, we've had in our nation Christians engaged in public witnessing, preserving holding back, playing defense, if you will, mm-hmm. against the forces of sin and decay and corruption and perversion in this world. Mm-hmm. Right? Speaking out, proclaiming. We've had that more in the past mm-hmm. than today. If we continue down this trajectory, I think the only inevitable outcome is, is destruction and judgment for mm-hmm. our nation. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say, why was Sodom destroyed? In some sense, because of a lack of public Christian witness a lack of that remnant there acting as salt preserving now this is of course not to 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 uh condone the evils mm-hmm. they could have been there they were condemned already so to speak mm-hmm. but the timing of it was connected to the fact that there was no righteous men in the city mm. that's what god said mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. let's just take a, a moment and maybe we have our commenters can jump in here as well what are some examples of how Christians could be salt, preserving, resisting, playing defense. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not, go- we're not to offense yet. Okay. Just defense. Just defense. Yeah, guys, so if you have some thoughts about what that might look like, feel free to drop them in the comments, ideas, suggestions, questions about what that might look like. Feel free to drop that in, and we'll be checking those here in the next couple of minutes. Yeah. Any, uh, any questions, any interactions? Any, uh... Pastor Joe is concerned about your cough. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, duly noted. <laughs> I am but, as healthy as a horse. You know, knock on wood. Literally. 
Yeah, no. So there's no specific questions about what we've said so far, but I got a good feeling some things are coming. They're brewing. Yeah, will be in the direction. Well, consider the the consider the uh, epidemic of abortion. Mm. Okay. Right. Um, untold millions slaughtered. Yeah, over sixty now. Yeah. How can we play defense? Not offense, but how can we play defense? You know, what would just be the minimum level of defensive strategy? I, I think at a minimum, speaking out, peaceful protest, mm-hmm. proclaiming it, instructing our children, mm-hmm. laying that theological groundwork for the dignity of all people, the image of God, mm. right? the blessing of children, the uh, sacred calling of the family, mm-hmm. just just playing defense. Right. You know, uh, at one point in time, the institution of slavery was uh, prevalent in this area. Right. In an evil institution. And Christians were, in that moment, called to play some defense, to speak out. Right. To, this and, is not acceptable. And mm-hmm. I, I, I would actually go so far as to say that those who refuse to speak out bear some level of culpability, mm. even if they aren't committing abortions themselves. Mm. Right? That we have to proclaim, we have to preach, we have to teach. It is a tragedy how few churches just play defense, right? Just mm-hmm. do the little things. Right? Churches have been boxed in and cornered on this particular issue, and many of them are afraid to speak out. So any other, any other issues we could speak out? For me, one of my own personal um, issues is the evil of governmental state indoctrination of our children. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That is, a, I think... <laughs> I mean, I, I come from education. I was a teacher for 10 years. That's what I was doing before I was a pastor. Mm-hmm. So it's in my heart there. My pastors in the past were, had all started church schools. I come from that sort of a um, tribe. Mm-hmm. So that's one, one of the reasons why it's um, uniquely uh, a calling on my life. Um, but I also see that it's the education, enculturation, discipleship of children that is probably the, probably the foremost battleground. Hmm. You know, that's where the wall needs rebuilding. Hmm. And so with our limited resources and limited efforts, we want to play defense and offense. Right. So speaking out is defense. Okay. Raising up our children uh, is a little bit of defense and offense. Right. So starting Christian schools. Now that's going to be offense. now. Now we're talking offense. Yeah. We're going to get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, but we as a church need to be preserving, preserving salt. Mm-hmm. We don't have a right to bury our head in the sand. Mm-hmm. We don't have a right to cloister to hell with the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're good. We're going to eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow we're raptured, you know? <laughs> this, right. this world's going to hell in a handbasket anyway. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. We're called, like Lot um, was called and failed, mm-hmm. to be those righteous in a city and in a town, preserving it. Right? Amen? Amen. All right, so next, offense. Okay. Ready for offense? Ready for offense. Let's go. God calls Abram. He says, get out of your country, from your kindred, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you, and he gives him the covenantal promises. You know, we've heard this before. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. I'm on your side. I'm your God. You're my, uh, my, my man. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. 
And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, which we call Ur. Now, so 75 years old, Abram has this calling on his life. Mm -hmm. He goes to the promised land. Now, everyone notices the theological connections between Eden and the promised land. Mm -hmm. It is a a typological or a theological theme throughout the scriptures. Mm -hmm. You can even read the description of the rivers of Eden. It's in the same rivers describing right. the promised land. Right. It, it's a theme. Adam did not guard the city. Mm-hmm. Adam did not extend the dominion. Adam failed. So now we have Abram called. He's going to go into the land. Mm-hmm. And what is he going to do? He starts to build wells, establish political alliances, mm-hmm. defeat and overcome evildoers. He also um, builds, church, plants churches all over the region, planting these places of worship and altars all over. Mm. He begins to set up the property bounds and the, and the, uh, the um, stakes of his inheritance. He's going in there, and he's playing offense. He's owning the land. He's mm. fighting evil. He's proclaiming God. He's building places of worship. He's exercising dominion. He is being faithful to the calling that Adam failed at. Mm. And now we know Abraham is not Jesus, who is the fulfillment of these types. Right. Right? Right. But Abraham is engaged in not only being salt, but he's light. See, salt preserves. Right. Light exposes. Light advances. Okay. Light reclaims. Okay. It's, you know, the, uh, the Narnia. It's, it's all winter when Aslan comes. And, and he doesn't just have a, a safe little space in his prayer closet or in his church mm-hmm. where everybody's happy and comfortable. No, no, no. When Aslan speaks, everything, you know, the lights come on. Mm. Everything's in, in color now. Mm-hmm. He start, his, his rule and dominion begins to affect all of nature and all of life. Got so th- think of it this way. I, I think this is a pattern that people have noticed. When Christians are not faithful as salt and light... Things begin to happen. Think about it in the garden. Things begin to erode. Things begin to erode. But and now this is not absolute, but this is a pattern that Christians have noticed in the scripture. Okay. That the first thing to erode is the sanctuary, the church. Hmm. That that locus of worship. Okay. See the first thing to go was that Adam lost the temple. He was exiled from the garden. But there was more than that. It was more than just being exiled from the garden. He, you know, he, he lost his land, so to speak, his home. Hmm. His family began to break apart not soon after. Mm-hmm. Cain was exiled far from the garden to, to a desolate land. And then the whole world, we know, as the scripture unfolds, is corrupted by this evil. Mm-hmm. So much so that he loses the whole world. Like, if we were... If, he was the king of the earth, so to speak. He mm-hmm. had dominion and rule mm-hmm. as a type of Christ. Right. He sinned. He failed. He lost the temple. He lost his family. All sort of decay. And then eventually the whole thing collapses in the flood. Mm. The same pattern we see with Israel. The temple's destroyed. They're exiled from the land. And then they lose their dominion. They lose their inheritance. Mm. We see this theme all throughout Scripture. I think it's what we see in Sodom. I think it's what we see is happening in our nation now. Hmm. I, I, th- I think if this is a pattern, what you will see is the decimation of the church, 
the decimation of the home, the family, and eventually the full disinheritance of a dominion, of a, of a nation, well, where it loses all the promises of God. Couldn't we already make a pretty strong argument that the decimation of the church has started, if we're, if we're thinking about it that way? Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot it's of... It's clear that yeah. that has already happened. And that's personally one of the things that concerns me. On a theological level, not a practical level, but on a theological level, when churches are just unessential, hmm. shut down. It's knowing these theological patterns, Mm -hmm. it at least should cause us to ask some questions. We're not relevant anymore. The society doesn't look at us in any particular way. And we had our, I mean, think of it now. I know there's a lot of practical things to say about this, and and everybody knows what decisions we made. Sure. But we We had our right to assemble taken from us. Mm -hmm. There's no way, regardless of the, uh, the data, that did happen. Right. And it happened fast and pretty easy. Mm -hmm. That's concerning when you think about the pattern that you've seen um, throughout church history and in Scripture. Mm. So, but here's the cool thing. What does the gospel do? It reverses all of that. Mm -hmm. As the power of the gospel goes forth, it reverses that so that churches are established, homes are restated. Nations are built up and secured. It, it's not just salvation for the inside of the heart. Mm-hmm. It's the reconciliation of all things. Well, the church, you know, from what I've seen for the last 10 years or so, being a pastor and involved much more actively in ministry, it seems like the church has been concerned more with, uh, we talk about this a lot, audience growth and everybody making sure that they've got, the, they're not making new sheep necessarily. It's herding different sheep between pastures, between different churches. And we're not really growing the flock of God. We're not out expanding, reforming, helping people to hear the gospel We we psychologically think of ourselves as in exile Hmm. with a limited market. Right. And we're all competing over this shrinking market of church folk. Right. And we're competing with each other just trying to hold on. Right. We don't think of ourselves as like Abraham going into an inheritance into a land, God having given him all authority, mm. right? With a commission from the king to extend my crown rights over all things, mm. you know, to proclaim Christ over every area of life. We don't have that offense. Right. We don't even really have the defense. We have a theology which has caused us to isolate, to separate, to cloister. Mm-hmm. And then now we all compete over, you know, that that small little remnant that's left. Yeah, five to I, ten. I think of that's the what's happening. You know, I think I think to some degree that's what's happening. I agree. Um, Abraham though went into the promised <laughs> land. He was a blessing to the nations around him. Mm-hmm. He dug wells. He built towns. He built wealth. He fought off evildoers. He was saved, right, mm-hmm. in his heart. But that worked its way out into the land, right, into the day to day. And we know that this is all a type of the mission of the church. Mm -hmm. We are the children of Abraham. Mm -hmm. We've been given the great commission to go into all the nations. Mm. We have to preach the gospel. But then what do we do? We baptize them. That means they're becoming Christians, joining the church. And we teach them all that Jesus Christ commanded over all things. We're on the move. We're offensive. Mm. We're light. Um, Romans 8 shows us the connection between the church the children of God, and the land, hmm. and the earth. Okay. The, it says the earth is waiting for the, for the sons of God, basically. Hmm. The earth is waiting. Matthew 28, go into all the world. 
Make disciples of all men. You are my witnesses at Jerusalem to Judea to the uttermost parts of the earth. This, I believe this, that those types and shadows in the Old Testament, Adam, Abraham, they're all pointing forward to Christ as the ultimate man, the mm-hmm. new man mm-hmm. who ascends to the throne and is going to succeed where Adam failed. Okay. Okay? But who are we in the story? We're Eve. We are his bride. We are alongside of him with the very same mission to exalt his name, to primarily orient ourselves to his kingdom and his household. We're the bride of Christ. And, and in his power and in his strength, we are to do what they all failed at. Mm. Salt and light. Preserving and extending, advancing. So we're not simply citizens of the United States. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? We're ultimately citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Right. And it has an agenda. Right. Right. It, it has ideas about the crown rights of Jesus over all the world. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Got it. We, we're not just patriots. We're not just saying, hey, world, could we just have a seat at the table? <laughs> could we right. just have a little tiny slice so that we can speak into the political process, which is fundamentally pluralistic? No, mm. no, no. We're saying Jesus is the king over all of you. Why is he not at the head of this table? Mm. You see, it's a different strategy. Right, uh, right. We're not saying that we are um, in the world to divvy up the land right. between the godless right. and the righteous. We're saying the meek shall inherit the earth. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. <laughs> right? We are victory in Jesus. Amen? Amen. The victory belongs to Jesus. Uh, now, what does everyone think immediately when we say these things? Mm, I don't know. Tell Sharia me. law. Right? Oh, I got it. No, okay, no, okay. no, no. Listen, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Does that mean they have no earthly power? No, no, no. But have divine power to destroy strongholds. What do we destroy? We destroy arguments. We destroy every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. You see what we're doing? Mm -hmm. We're engaged in an offensive and defensive struggle with what? With the word of God to bring everything under obedience to Jesus Christ. He is working to make all things new. He is working towards the reconciliation of all things Mm -hmm. to himself. And we have the ministry of reconciliation as his bride alongside of him. So the primary boots on the ground thing then is prophetic proclamation. I I think prophetic proclamation, you know, to to make it simple, is defensive. Defensive. Well, it's educational. It's instructional. Okay. Okay. Um, But we're not just... Um, prophets. We're priests. So what's the offense? We're then? kings. So we we defense, proclaim, educate, set the boundaries. This say is what no. The Lord, say no. Yeah, you can't evil. do this. Right. Shut this down. What's offense? So we're talking in the area of abortion. We're already doing it. Um, yeah, here in Saint Landry Parish. Yeah, that's right. We're starting a pregnancy center, which that's is right. 
probably going to open its doors officially as soon as the whole coronavirus thing is over. Yeah. Whenever that ends. That's cool. But executive That's director's been right hired. There. That's good stuff. Okay. So we're not just saying abortion bad. We're saying, no, 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 this is the right way. Here's the alternative. This is the alternative. Mm. This is the path forward. I'm following This you. is how your society should be established, right? Um, I mean, what was it that put that in your heart? You know, what, how was it that God brought that to your attention? And you were like, okay, I'm tired of playing just defense and talking. Now it's time to put some brick and mortar on Main Street in the <laughs> middle of this town. Well, look. An abortion doctor moved in a block down the street from us. They're doing it. <laughs> like, They're playing offense. Yeah. So it was like, oh, there's no other option at this point. It's right. time to it's time to actually do something. That's I right. I mean, it took a long time. I don't know how long it's been. 18 months, two years, something like that. Since That's we not started, that long for something like this. That's cool. Well, <laughs> That's blessings from God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. When, when, when you have the commission of Christ, the spirit of God, he's seated on the throne, and he calls you to start digging wells to cultivate the land. To eradicate the enemy, you can by faith know that he's on your side. Mm. The giants become grasshoppers in our sight when we have this faith, mm. when we have this positivity for the future and for our town. Mm. See, the theology of the church today is, is taking this passion from us. Okay. They're saying there's no hope for this world. We're just basically treading water. Things are going to circle the drain. And then one day, all the, the good Christians are going to be disappeared in the rapture. Hmm. Okay, now that's a large percentage of the church. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that do to a young man and, and whether or not he's called by God to be light in this world? I mean, why polish uh, brass on the sinking ship, right? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Why, why engage in the secular? There is no secular, but why engage <laughs> in this, this, right. this part of creation that's just going to burn up and be for all for nothing? Hmm. No, absolutely not. Now, that theology, that escapist, I, I would say if I want to think negatively, um, irresponsible, refusing to take up the dominion mandate, mm-hmm. to take up the calling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just easy when you're living in the lap of luxury to live it up until you're raptured. Sure. You know, it's Epicureanism again. Eat, drink, and be married. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Why mm-hmm. are you engaged in politics? Mm-hmm. Why are you worried about that? You know, why, why do all these things? But even people who don't believe in this sudden disappearance of all the Christians still have no future. They have no hope for the world. Mm. They believe the kingdom of Satan is going to continue to be powerful and advance on the, on the saints. Jesus said there's always going to be tares in the wheat. But they think that it's a tear field for the rest of the... They think this earth is just going to be sown in weeds when, when it's actually going to be and is becoming a wheat field. Hmm. Like they have, they have a pessimillennialism. They have a <laughs> they have a negativity about the future of the world. Okay, Adam failed. Abraham failed. Israel failed. Lot failed. Jesus has ascended. He's on the throne. He's poured out his spirit. Go into all the nations, and we think he's going to fail. We're missing the main discontinuity that takes place between the Old and the New Testament when he sits on the throne. He binds Satan. Mm-hmm. He, his ruling until, here's the chronology, he shall rule until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be defeated is death, and then the end shall come. Hmm. We now have what will happen in human history, been given to us by the verses of, of the Bible, and we know that Jesus is engaged in this dominion mandate that Adam failed at, and we are his bride, 
And we have every reason to believe that if we put our hands to the plow, he'll bear fruit. Hmm. You know, if we work, he'll come alongside of us. But if we want to look out over the promised land, uh, like the children of Israel in the wilderness, and, and bite our nails and cower in the bushes because the giants are just too big, hmm. we will stay in the wilderness. You understand? But yeah. if we have faith like Joshua and Caleb in the covenantal promises of the Lord, I've given you this as an inheritance. Mm. The meek shall inherit the earth. The creation waits for the sons of God. We're connected to it. Like mm. Abraham, go and establish God's kingdom. We pray thy kingdom go far away from here <laughs> because we don't want the burdens and the responsibilities of having to do all of this stuff. Hmm. No, we pray thy kingdom come. It's not going, it's coming. Well, see, but even that statement, whenever uh, you pray this with that pessimillennialistic worldview that you're talking about, when you say thy kingdom come, which what we're actually thinking, I say, I think, is um, Jesus come rapture those people already. Let's get, this, <laughs> let's yeah, get or, this over with. Or we're doing what we can, and the kingdom of God is going to come in our hearts. Mm -hmm and maybe in our family, and in the church, but not in the world, mm. not in the public sphere. And if it's all of Christ in all of life, then he's Lord over everything. The kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Hmm. Totally, completely. Not just compartmentalized in the church, but in earth, all of it. Earth. All it's always earth. been from the very beginning. It's interesting. Spiritual implications work their way out into the land, mm. the earth. It's interesting how you talked about at the beginning default. Everybody has their defaults. Yes. And when you read the Bible with those defaults, you think on earth. But when you really think on earth, you mean in the church, mostly. That's, maybe, that is, maybe in some other places. That is mainly what evangelical Christianity believes. Hmm. That there is no hope for serious gospel advance mm -hmm. in the secular realm. There is but no secular. But we're saying there is no secular no realm. Secular. God is king over all. Jesus mm. is sovereign over all. He rules in the, in the family, the church, and the state. He rules by means of his covenant, mm. and he has his bride to go forth. Now, when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, prayer always implies action. Mm -hmm. we, we're never supposed to just pray and then sit, you know, sit on our duff. Mm -hmm. At some point, you come out of the prayer closet, and you put into practice Do the things something. that you're praying for. Right. Right. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, will happen by the preaching of the word of, the God, of God, mm -hmm. the gospel, by the spirit of God, who is where? In the world. Working in the world to convict the world, to, to uh, bring about rulership and judgment in the world. Mm -hmm. With his church, the church, with the sword of the spirit, under the banner of King Jesus, praise thy kingdom come, thy will be done, mm -hmm. and we go forth to battle. Mm -hmm. The giants are defeated. Jericho's walls come tumbling down. Amen? Amen. And all we're really doing is blowing trumpets and marching. It's, it's the funny. church triumphant. It's funny that you say that one thing, because all the process of starting this pregnancy center, I have felt like that. Like, I'm not, I'm not really doing much more than just blowing trumpets. <laughs> and all these pieces of it, like the money to start it and the board members to be on it and the executive director to run it and the building has yeah. literally fallen into place. The Lord's done all of it. Yeah. And I'm just the moron walking around the street blowing it's a like, trumpet. What am, and and <laughs> I, would say, I would say this. We blow the trumpet. That's, that's warfare. Mm -hmm. We don't fight with the weapons of this world. We don't have a—Jesus Christ rides on a white horse. 
his, the sword's not in his hand. It's in his mouth. Mm. You understand? Mm-hmm. We proclaim his kingdom. We advance the claims of Christ over all areas of life. But then, like Nehemiah, like Ezra, like Abraham, we don't just tear down walls. We build them. Mm-hmm. We build up um, the alternative to the kingdom of Satan. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, we at Christ Church need to be about in every area of life. Mm. There, Satan's kingdom rules over or, or has um, influence over all areas of life. Mm-hmm. Satan's kingdom is spiritual. And we also, everyone believes that it, it manifests itself in the political realm, in the family, in, in the earth. Mm-hmm. So too is the spirits. Mm-hmm. It's in our hearts. It is in the world. And it's also not going to be stopped by the gates of Hades. And so this is a rewiring of our default settings. Mm-hmm. But I think the theology has to be established if we're going to be salt and light effectively. So then let's let's ask that question next. we got a lot of people kind of asking the same question. Mm. Um, what does offense look like for a Christian family or for a... A Christian man or a Christian woman. What what is their offense? Is the, is the well, we could talk about this forever. Sure. But one example was establishing the pregnancy crisis clinic. Yeah. Another one is establishing a Christian school where Christ is the center of all education. Okay. Right. Um, a another one would be not only preaching about the evils of the welfare state and mm-hmm. how it unjustly destroys the the po- the poor, mm-hmm. but establishing poverty ministries um, that. Uh, that show the godly alternative. Hmm. Right? Okay. One, we might proclaim um, God's judgment against the casino, right. against all the politicians that support it. Right. But we might also teach people how you actually gain wealth in this world. How you manage your By money. work. So if I can say it simply, every individual has a calling, a vocational calling. Okay. You're called to salvation. Then you're called a vocation. Okay. And that vocation is to push the claims of Christ in that area. Mm-hmm. Say, so I have a daughter in art. That's what I'm up to. That's what she's up to. You know, mm-hmm. um, wherever our children, we train them in whatever callings, plumbing, right? Mm-hmm. Business, finance, whatever it might be. Uh, motherhood, fatherhood. You have a calling in the c- civilization or the society at large, in the church and the state. Everyone has those callings. Mm-hmm. And... Under the rule of Christ, according to the law of Christ, we push his claims in every area. So let me ask you this. So how are building you, a Christian society, how do if you, I could say it's simple for people. I think that's good. That's right. How do you find that calling? If, let's say somebody's like, I don't know what my calling is, though. How do I yeah. figure it out? How do I know what to do? Yeah. Are people asking that? Or that's well, the that's obvious the next, next question. The next obvious question. Uh, you know, question. we need to do a, an entire household and homestead show on how to find your calling. Ooh, um, yes. But real quick, uh, prayer. Okay. Look for the needs. Okay. Ask wise people. Mm-hmm. You know, see the fruit that you've experienced in your life previously. Mm-hmm. The, your calling is found on the path of service. You serve for a long period of time in particular areas meeting actual needs, mm-hmm. dying to self, meeting needs, and you look back over your shoulder and you're like, ah, I'm in my calling. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> right. You normally... Uh, recognize it later in life after you've lived a life of sacrificing, dying to self, and serving the needs of your community. Mm. You look back and you're like, oh, there's been some fruit there. This is my calling. I see. Now, what happens is most people are like, what would fulfill me? Right. What would satisfy me? Right. What would make me wealthy? 
mm-hmm. instead of asking, what are the needs in this town? Mm-hmm. You see, but when, here's the thing. When you see the need, there's a difference. That's it's like a giant. You're like, well, I see the need, but what could I do? You know, right. How could I fill this, this hole in the wall? You know, how can I be used to rebuild um, the, the streets of Jerusalem in this particular area? Mm-hmm. It's impossible. And so we give up. And we're like, okay, what's, what's got, what's, where's the money, you know? Mm. Oh, life is more than that. You find that calling. You get some affirmation from wise people, from pastors, from your mom and dad. You look for the needs. You look for your gifts. You pray. You pray. And at some point, you go for it, mm. you know, trusting in Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's, Amen. The, that's the basics of that. So if everyone's doing that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. See, if you'll notice what is our mission Proclaiming all of Christ and all of life. Mm-hmm. The strategy, planting churches. Right. That's the church. Um, establishing and building up Christian households. Mm-hmm. That's the family. And equipping individuals and leaders to be competent and to follow Christ in their area. That's the civil society at large. Mm. That's the doctrine of vocation. We're army on the march. Under the banner of Christ. Mm-hmm. Following in the footsteps of Abraham, Joshua, Nehemiah, and Ezra when they returned, who are all typologically pointing to Christ and the dominion over all of this earth. Mm. So that's some big stuff. Yeah. Like, if this is the first time you're hearing this, you know, don't go away. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of exegesis that needs to take place to lay these, this groundwork. But right. I said in the beginning, we're laying the theological groundwork for Christian political activism. Mm-hmm. Salt and light in the visible, real world today. Hmm. Man, just imagine if all the churches in Acadiana got hold of this. Right. How hard, I don't know, how hard would it be for us to say, we're tired of these these corrupt politicians and uh, their their supporting of various evils and injustices. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and let's raise up godly righteous civil leaders who claim the name of Christ, who have who meet the qualifications of civil rulers in scripture, right? Let's go ahead and put them in power. Let's, let's establish them through voting, right? Mm-hmm. Through preaching, through teaching, through support. How hard would that be? I mean, how many people go to church around here? Right. A lot. Why is it that godless, secular, atheistic, humanistic people Control all the government in general. So in general? Maybe that's more true in some cities than others, but what's going on? I think it has a lot to do with the the focus on the individual. And this person promised me that I will get my ex if I vote for them. Or if they're in office, they'll take care of my Mm -hmm. business or my safety. Which brings up an interesting topic. (laughs) That before there can be revival, the Spirit of God moving in a town people have to repent of their idols Mm. they have to repent of their idols see let me just we don't have time for this but it's fun though but but (laughs) but check this out what is legalism it is looking to the law as a means of salvation that is true of individuals Mm -hmm. it is true of families it is true of cities it is true of nations we have it in our heart to not receive covenantal blessings of God just rained on our heads while we walk in faith and obedience. The easy, you know, the light yoke. Right. We rather want to do it ourselves through law. 
you can think of the, the dad or the mom who thinks they're going to um, raise godly children simply by law, right? Mm. No, there has to be regeneration. There right. has to be blessing. There has to be the spirit of God. There has to be gospel, right? Mm. There has to be um, the promises of God. Our nation in general is politically legalistic. Yeah. They believe that if we have the right policies, right, mm-hmm. the right laws, that we can establish civilization sanctification, <laughs> that we can establish national salvation. Mm. That's mm-hmm. fundamentally what is underneath this. My business will thrive if the law, the law, the popo, the police, the judges, the legislatures, the politics, the government establishes certain laws and uses their power to make it successful, then my business will thrive. It's not depending on Jesus's covenantal blessings. Mm. It's dependent on the state's antichrist blessings. Mm. It's messianic. It's a, it is national soteriology. We have to repent of that mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. For, for what we're talking about here. That's one of the reasons why we don't believe that God's kingdom comes through coercion. Mm. Through the power of the sword. Mm. It comes through the preaching of the gospel and the regeneration of hearts. Amen. It comes from revival. Right? You might might say Christian political activism is not about politics, really. Ultimately, it's about revival. Mm. That works its way out into every area of life. Amen. Proclaim, repentance, revival, reformation. Boom. Let's go, baby. I love it. I love it. Nice. Man, how cool would it be if Christ Church could instill this theological framework in the hearts and minds of young people. And they were raised, the, the factory settings were off in, in them. And they were raised saying, what's the need around here? Hmm. What's my calling? And they went into that calling, all of Christ and all of life. How amazing would it be if some of them went into the civil sphere? Right? Hmm. If you don't know, that's what we're up to at Christ Church Academy. Right? <laughs> that's, we are teaching the children. Yeah. Um, we are rewiring that dispensational, pessim- you know, pessimistic, negative, faithless outlook on this world. The, the uh, Gnostic Christianity is only in your heart and in the prayer closet in the church worldview. We're, we are unraveling that and preaching all of Christ in all of life. Mm. So that's our mission, man. Amen. That's exciting. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thank you all so much for joining with us. There's a lot of conversation going on in the comments today. Ooh, that's great. That sounds good. I'm looking forward to looking at it. Keep that up. We'll be reviewing some of those more later on. Um, I want to encourage you guys, if you don't know about it, you can go to wearechristchurch.com slash media and check out our podcast feeds for all the different podcasts we've got going on. God and Government's there, Household and Homestead, as well as some other things that we do. If you're also looking for another way, you can go to sermonaudio.com, search We Are Christ Church to find some more uh, ways of listening online. You also got table talks on there too. I yeah, think some uh, miscellaneous things about yeah, um, uh, biblical charity. That's right. one, that's one of them that I think folks should listen to. And you got a uh, you got all our um, sermons on there as well to get connected to learn a little bit more. Maybe all this stuff is new for you, Pastor Brandon. You got some recommended listening for people who might be. They need learning to keep listening this to this show. Time. This show, God and Government. We are trying to take people over a a long period of time through a systematic understanding Mm -hmm. of how Christianity works in the public sphere. Mm. Uh, You know, political theology, 
It's a big subject. We're slowly wa- walking people through it. So go but, back, um, listen keep, to some keep of these shows. To those. You need to listen to all of them, yeah. for sure, for sure. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks again so much for listening. If you got questions, you can email me, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at wearechristchurch.com. We'd be happy to answer them, and we will see you guys next time.